I'm Ken Canera, and this is Beyond Consulting. Today, we have Justin Rizendi in the studio. Justin leads support for Shopify Logistics. He's also a former consultant. But before we get started with Justin, just want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by ECA Partners, a specialized project staffing and executive search firm. Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So Justin, just like everybody else, would love to kind of get your career story as a jumping off point. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I started out in management consulting right out of college. Uh, I joined Oliver Wyman in the San Francisco office. While I was with Oliver Wyman for a little over two years, I worked on projects uh, primarily in oil and gas out of the New Orleans area, as well as uh, in telco uh, out of the Los Angeles area. Started to look to concentrate in a particular area of the business that we actually didn't have a lot of work within the Bay Area. Hence, I was on the road for a couple of years. So I started to be open to transitioning out of consulting because I was no longer supportive of the travel lifestyle. I had just moved in with my now fiance and was trying to find a little bit uh, local work. So as I was open to new opportunities, a friend of mine reached out uh, about an opportunity at a startup called Deliver, which just a few months ago was acquired by Shopify and now is Shopify Logistics. Excellent. And so let's start with what Deliver does. So I know that they were recently acquired by Shopify and that's now Shopify Logistics, but how would you describe that business? Yeah, so Deliver's mission, as it was framed as I was originally joining it, was around democratizing access to specifically fast fulfillment. So you go on Amazon.com, you see a Prime badge, you know you're going to get that item in a couple of days, and that motivates you to move forward with that purchase at that point in time. Deliver wanted to offer that same confidence in getting this item quickly to enable e-commerce merchants to close sales on their own websites versus having to go to these marketplaces to provide that. So this idea of increasing the field of play for people that could compete online outside of the Amazon space. Deliver since then has kind of expanded the scope to actually democratizing access to world-class supply chain overall. So we also now provide services along freight, along reserve deep storage. So taking things that sometimes require major e-commerce players or big contracts and opening that up to smaller merchants as well. So kind of an expansion of that original mission. With the acquisition by Shopify, we've really continued to stay aligned to that overall goal of empowering e-commerce merchants. Shopify does that overall. The whole infrastructure of what they're trying to build is in this vein of letting anyone go build their small business, build their online site. And Shopify Logistics is still trying to enable them to do that on what is sometimes the very hardest side, the logistics side. So continuing in that same vein to empower these small businesses, uh, and it's something I really enjoy about my work, is that I have this alignment towards taking care of merchants and helping people spin up these entrepreneurial endeavors. Excellent. And beyond the obvious of logistics being a nut to crack, what is it about logistics that makes it so tough, in your opinion, for small business owners? Yeah, so there's a very easy example there, as you were saying, which is just it's complicated to get something from a manufacturing plant in China to a facility in a port in the US and then get that into a particular facility and then get that from a facility to the end buyer. But what makes that even harder is if you're trying to do it at a small scale, you're not really going to be able to talk to everyone that you might want to talk to, and you're not going to be able to access to the same resources to do so competitively, both the original freight shipping or port shipping, the original freight movement within the country, and the final movement out to buyers. So we really enable you to have access to high quality services at a reasonable price. 
And as well, you know, we are able to provide capabilities to you that you, you simply wouldn't be able to do out of a single warehouse or out of your backyard when you're first getting started. Easy example there was Deliver's first idea around fast fulfillment is we are taking, even if it's 10 units of your product, and we'll distribute that throughout the country. So as the orders come in in certain locations, we're able to provide that fast shipping promise because we've already moved it out to a nearby location. That's pretty incredible that you guys will do that at even what we'll call a not a small scale, but a starting scale. That's really good and shows that you want to, I guess, grow with your customers. Yeah, it's something I've always really enjoyed about the work at Deliver and now Shopify Logistics is we're just 100% aligned with what our merchants are trying to do. They're trying to build and scale their businesses and we succeed and we grow along with them. That's great. And Justin, you actually lead the support function. Is that right? That's right. So for almost two years now, I've been the head of the support team at Deliver Now Shopify Logistics. And yeah, again, it's just still in this vein of I get to empower e-commerce merchants. When I talk to merchants, it does unfortunately mean something's gone wrong, (laughs) but it does mean I'm also in a position to directly help them out. And so our support team, you know, every day we have a bunch of great people showing up and advocating for what these merchants need in order to successfully run their businesses. Excellent. Okay, so you lead support. So could you talk us through kind of like, I guess, what your role encompasses, you know, beyond kind of what you just said, and then also how you came into that position? Because I know you would obviously didn't just start as the head of support. Could you talk us through kind of like your career as well at Deliver and now Shopify Logistics? Yeah. So as a quick overview, as our support team, you know, we're going to take any of your inbound inquiries for issues that you may be experiencing, as well as just more general questions you may have on how to use our platform. So we support both chat and email, and we're open to scheduling and taking calls with merchants as well to help them talk through how to properly use our platform. Moving into that opportunity, I came out of a a fairly one-off conversation about, like I said, two years ago, which was I had been previously working. I joined the business operations and strategy team initially at Deliver, and I was specifically working within the engagement marketing function, which is working with a lot of our growth managers who work with our accounts and help them plan how to effectively grow their business, when to invest, for example, in advertising, when they should be looking to add fast tag offerings on products that do or don't have the margin to support it, basically really helping you think through how to effectively run your business on the Deliver platform. And something I identified after several months of working alongside these growth managers was at the time, they weren't necessarily able to have what we would call a growth conversation when they were getting an account on the line. They were instead having a conversation about certain issues that they were talking about with our support team that weren't necessarily resolved at the time. For example, we had uh, significant delays and receiving at some of the facilities at the time. And these, you know, you'd get on a call and the growth managers would simply be trying to talk about, here are these SKUs that I think would do well in our network or with fast tags. And instead they're having a conversation about a pallet that hasn't been forwarded from a doc. Understandable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I called out the opportunity as I was putting together kind of my quarterly plan near the end of 2020. And I said, look, I'd like to spend this percent of my time working in support of the support team, because I think that would honestly have more of a positive impact on the engagement team than another initiative that I might take on specifically here. And actually the conversation with the co-founders, Michael Kerkaris and Harish Shabat, they came back and they said, hey, do you actually want to move into 
potentially running this team. Let's dedicate you just on helping out this team. And if that's going well, I think there's an opportunity for you to step in and lead this team. So I started working with those leaders in the fourth quarter of 2020, which is, you know, peak crunch period for e-commerce. <laughs> yeah, good timing. Yeah. <laughs> and even under that straining time period, we were able to deliver improved results in a lot of our availability and responsiveness for merchants. And so they gave me that nod to go ahead and take it on in full the next year. So this is a pretty big function, I would imagine, at a company of your guys' scale. I mean, I guess how big was the team at Deliver, and then how big is the team now given Shopify's acquisition? Yeah, so the team that I initially took over was around 30 to 40 individuals. And pre-Shopify logistics acquisition, the team is about 80 global FTE. And now we've added a few additional headcount from the Shopify support side. We sit separate from general Shopify support but our kind of combined Shopify logistics org is about 100 people globally. And I guess, okay, so for a guy that knows nothing about logistics and supporting those logistics, what are some of the things that you think about in terms of kind of like success metrics or KPIs to ensure, I guess, that you're hitting all your marks? Yeah, so some of our key success metrics, they are related to how quickly we begin conversations with merchants. So a really important one for us is our first response time. You can look at, you know, your median first response, which is a good pulse check on, you know, what does it feel like to write into this team? So our median first response will sometimes sit around 30 minutes to an hour. So any time of the day you write us in, time of the week, the median 50 percentile experience is around 30 minutes or an hour. So most conversations are starting in under an hour. The other important metric I look at is the 90th percentile first response as a way to represent what is the most negative outcome you might be experiencing. So an example might be if you're writing us in Friday evening and we have lower coverage on Saturday mornings, it might take a little longer to get to that initial response. And we generally aim to have our 90th response under 12 calendar hours. So even in the most exacerbating circumstances, in under half a day, if you flag an issue to our team, we're getting back to you and helping to move forward on resolving that. And then I'd say a very general customer support metric that we use and are used industry-wide is CSAT, customer satisfaction. So you end a conversation with us, you get a thumbs up, thumbs down survey. What percent of that is thumbs up versus thumbs down? Interesting. And yeah, and I guess as a user of a lot of different kind of like SaaS uh, software kind of products, it is true, like that instant gratification, especially if I have an issue, right? So like, uh, actually, the software that we're recording our audio on now, I just just telling Justin before the podcast that they just released an update. And there's all these little bugs. And it is funny, Justin, like I do feel myself feel a lot better if I get an email within call it like 15 minutes to an hour about the bug that I just reported, right? As opposed to a half a day later or something like that. Yeah, and I'd say an even bigger factor sometimes within e-commerce where the companies we support, the brands we support, they similarly have very high expectations of what they need to deliver to their buyers as their experience. And I think that's generally come from a heightened expectation of consumers for what it means to have issues, have questions, engage with customer support. And we kind of get that knock-on effect. You know, they are trying to deliver a great experience to their buyers. And so we have to be able to provide a great support team to them. Excellent. Being in the position you are and with a company like Shopify, you kind of have a front row seat to, I guess, kind of seeing how e-commerce is developing just in general as an industry. What are some of the things that you're seeing in terms of trends? Yeah, so a uh, very fun question, because of course, the time I've been here at Shopify Logistics has seen both ups and downs within the e-commerce market. So I actually started at Deliver 
a week before San Francisco had mandatory shutdowns. Oh, wow. I spent my first week at Deliver scoping out potential projects I could take on on the growth team. And at the end of that week, our two co-founders, they said, okay, we have your project. It's COVID. This thing called COVID, you need to go figure out what we do about it. And my challenge was to try and bring into the network products that we expected to be surging in demand in response to the changes in consumer expectations. You know, we're going to be locked inside, we're going to be at home. And so we're kind of there, we're tinkering with the data and we were trying to get ahead of predicting that arts and crafts and puzzles and baking information was going to surge early on the pandemic. And Board games, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember in particular, we kept running some iterations of the program and it was like May or June. And I was, you know, seeing some predictions about bike supplies that were going to be really hot. And then we were reading in like July or August that, you know, all these bike parts and bikes are totally sold out around the country. And, you know, we're throwing stuff around like we called it, we're on it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was initially a part of this huge surge in e-commerce demand. Like we saw the relative velocity of like the exact same thing. So take a hundred products, that suite of a hundred products is now doing twice as much volume as it was a month before COVID started. And that initial pop, we weren't sure at first, you know, does this represent a acceleration of e-commerce adoption? Does this represent a temporary increase? And yeah, I've said it's, you know, e-commerce has had some ups and downs. And actually, you'd look at Shopify just in the past week, did downward adjust its overall expectations for the e-commerce landscape and did have layoffs overall reducing some workforce, which was them saying, hey, we look at the overall e-commerce GMV trend, and it looks like we are just on trend to what was going on before the pandemic versus there was material fast forwarding of that growth. So instead of we took a stepwise move up five years, we actually had a jump and a a retraction. I still think it remains to be seen what this plays out over an additional couple of years. If we still see, as you put that line down, some increase versus current factors such as inflation making it look like we're on that previous trend. So I'm still hopeful that we are expecting, we have seen an acceleration of certain consumer moves to online purchasing. The example I used a lot early on in the pandemic is groceries. I would never have considered buying groceries online versus going to the grocery store. And now it's a pretty standard you know, week in our house that we get our one imperfect foods delivery per week with like our fruits and veggies for the week. And yeah, we'll still go to the supermarket to pick up other things. Yeah, that is a great example. And really interesting, the the market dynamics that you jumped into. What a crazy time to start with a company and of all industries a week before uh, the COVID lockdowns. That's incredible. Anything else I guess you're seeing from an e-commerce perspective, just in terms of like, maybe could you talk a little bit about like the types of brands that you see emerging? Like I know there's a lot like with micro influencers and stuff like that, but just curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I'm not necessarily speaking to any super trends we see here, but I, I do just find overall the independence, the super fractured entrepreneurial spirit of e-commerce is really, really exciting. So you definitely see there are a lot of people that are equipped and able to go with the tools that companies like Shopify provide and take on building a company that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they wouldn't have had any opportunity to go do so. So I just think with people's access to information, people's access to these tools, people's access to getting their message out there on their own, such as micro-influencing or in social media in general, you're in a position where there's never been a better time in some ways to be this like quick, small entrepreneur. And, you know, Shopify, we're committed to trying to make that as easy for people as possible. The vision for Shopify Logistics is that you can go from the idea to it getting to your buyer without you needing to be an expert or really fully understand that operational process. 
That's quite an incredible vision. So I remember when I was actually, when I was in consulting and I do want to get to your consulting experience next, but I remember when I was in consulting, call this 2007 or something like that, I wanted to start a yoga towel business. And like, I had to literally figure out everything from the design of the towel to actually getting it on the ship from manufacturers in Hong Kong and China get to my door. I still remember wasting a ton and ton of money on, you know, bad samples. And then I had to hold the product and then sell the product. I mean, it was really, really cumbersome. And I ended up actually not making any money after all was said and done. You know, my margins were basically zero <laughs> and it was a really expensive learning experience, but um, it's incredible what Shopify has done in the space. Yeah, it was much more expensive than it hopefully could be now and also way harder on you and in the mental space required. So yeah, really our goal is not just to make it accessible and profitable, but also to free individuals up to focus on the brand, focus on the customers, focus on the product. That's great. Okay, so let's take a step back. So prior to Shopify slash Deliver, you were a consultant for Oliver Wyman. How did you kind of like decide to make the switch out of consulting? And what were some of the things that you considered as you transitioned? Yeah, so I mentioned that I started to be open to the idea of leaving consulting when I realized I didn't have a realistic path to not traveling most weeks within the next couple of years and within my role. So I really liked the, a lot of the day-to-day -day of what I was doing, especially some of the last couple of projects I was on within consulting were very, very interesting. The work I was doing day-to-day, -day, I, I really enjoyed. But, you know, understanding that there wasn't a long-term lifestyle fit for me there left my door open at least to other opportunities. So I wasn't super actively looking, but when I did get initial reach out from a friend who was already at Deliver, I had a drink, took the call, and yeah, he was able to at least frame a sufficiently exciting opportunity, at least, you know, come work on this cool project, and I gave it a go from there. That's interesting. So it wasn't necessarily about, let's call it the functional kind of focus or anything. It was kind of, you just took the opportunity as a whole and it sounded interesting and you said, hey, what the heck, and just took the leap. Yeah, I did have some back and forth on kind of the fit for the role. So actually, my friend is on the data science team at Deliver, and the role he initially approached me about was for a data analyst position. And my feedback here is like, look, I'm not really looking to be a data analyst after what I've been doing the last couple of years in consulting. Here's an example of kind of like what I've been working on and what I would be looking to do next. I had a couple more conversations with other people on the Deliver team, and then they came back with a proposal for me to join the business operations and strategy team. I'm guessing they maybe did some Googling on what do consultants do after, because uh, I was like the first hire on the team. And so they were really, I think, just trying to find a fit for me, thinking that there was some leverage and was important stuff I could be working on for the team. That's awesome. And it also highlights a really important point, I guess, for our listeners too, that the job that you end up with after consulting or after anything, really, it doesn't necessarily have to be posted on a job board. I guess in Justin's case, right, the, the initial conversation was about something entirely different, but the company and the mission and the vision was a fit and people found a way to make it work. So that's really great. Thanks for sharing that, Justin. I guess also kind of curious, if you think about transitioning from consulting to where you're at now, where do you feel like consulting? really helped? And where do you feel like maybe it didn't necessarily help or left you in a position where you still need to learn some things? Yeah, so I'd say the biggest strengths that consulting kind of provide is just a extremely robust problem solving toolkit. I was dropped in and my initial challenge was 
figure out what you should work on, what, what would be the most impact you could have within the growth work. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, I've done some high level estimation before. Like I'll, I'll go do some opportunity assessment. I, you know, I've worked with partners on really high level, like swagging on whiteboards, you know, I think can take a week and get to some realistic estimates of my impact in some places. And that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have necessarily felt as comfortable taking on before consulting and then take my first challenge I took on with COVID. It was how do we go and identify potentially trending demand, potentially trending product verticals. And again, I felt like pretty comfortable moving into tackling that problem, setting up the comparisons. I'm not necessarily doing anything out of like a statistics class I've taken and finding significance, but I'm finding what appears to be believable trends. I'm finding what appears to be relevant movement in the data. But at the same time, I've worked with real data. And I understand, okay, this is 10 data points, I've got to ignore that. Really just having the mechanical experience to accurately and quickly take on some of these problems. I'd say that was actually a funny example of consulting being a bit of a clashing moment of that transition, where I came back with my initial identified product verticals we should go after, and our co-founder was ready to go. It was like, let's send the email. Let's go get these items. And I was like, well, hold on. Aren't we going to first review my analysis and then have another meeting with someone else to talk about the analysis and then iterate and then move forward? And it was like, startup world, we're ready to go get the emails out. So yeah, it's funny. I think it actually even comes with increased responsibility of the work you do because it's going to go to quote unquote, like go to market much faster. And then I think on the other side of things that maybe I wasn't quite as prepared for coming out of consulting, I shared this with other people I talked to that eventually that were joining Deliver coming out of consulting as well. I called it, I was challenged on my PM toolkits. So both kind of my project management and my product management. So on the project management side, you know, I'd been a part of big initiatives and seen what it takes to keep things moving forward effectively, but I hadn't really been in a position. And to be honest, at a lot of projects, it would have been fairly unacceptable to be doing what was effective once I was within an actual org, which is just really pushing on getting what you needed done from different stakeholders, sending someone a message on Slack about something you asked them about yesterday and setting a one hour reminder to follow up with them again, because you absolutely need that input if you're going to make progress before the end of the week. And then I'd say on the product management side, we talked about this initial COVID product vertical targeting. And after that initiative, you know, we did a scoping of like the impact and it was like, okay, even on top of the COVID surge, we believe that this drove like a 10% incremental boost in order volume in these months because we ran this initiative. And our CEO, Harish, he challenged me. He says, okay, what you now need to start doing is your product thinking is this is a 10% impact from an initiative. What is the product version of this that is a 10x impact? And those were totally new muscles to me, is to take something that, yes, this is successful, the math worked here, the logic worked here, and think about how does this run on its own, continue to run, continue to move forward over time. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think both examples really kind of ring true. And I know what you mean too on the call it like project management execution point of view. It's like in consulting, you're usually working with a team of insecure overachievers. Myself being one of them previously is like everybody tends to follow the project plan and it's not as, I don't know, execution kind of oriented, right? It's kind of like, here's a four month plan versus what you're describing is like, no, this is four days, right? So And especially within the startup space, a lot of times we were trying to move very, very quickly. And I might have an engineer I'm working with who has a lot of other important things on the plate. And so just making sure I can stay at the top of the plate and get my things done in time as well. 
Well, thanks for sharing that. And I guess before we kind of wrap up here, Justin, we ask all of our guests if they have any recommendations in terms of kind of like books or maybe blogs or content that has had an impact on their career or their life that they'd like to share with our listeners. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, when I was in consulting, probably the most important book I had engaged with, and I don't think I'm telling anything new to people here, was The Pyramid Principle. Very, very useful. Definitely super applicable within consulting, but I found those resources really valuable as I transitioned as well. And I've actually trained support leadership on some of that thinking and communication as well. In terms of more so like the transition, I'd probably call out as I moved into a management role, I had a previous mentor recommend the book Radical Candor which I found really, really valuable when it came to establishing like the culture on my team and managing getting feedback and providing feedback to our teams. Uh, and I think that's been a really important part of how our support team has been able to do well, is if we're always able to have effective, transparent, but direct dialogue, we're able to move forward and improve over time, getting it right, even if you miss in one individual instance. And then I'd also call out a few different like ways that this type of like thinking lives, but I've just found it really useful. Some of the concepts such as like the book, like Good to Great, where it talks about, you know, what it takes to like build a successful company behind like a powerful vision. The Zappos books, Profits, Passion, People, like echoes the same kind of concepts as well. I think those are really applicable if you're going to uh, any company, but particularly like a startup where it's going to be a smaller environment and you can maybe really push the culture to have a strong unification behind what you're building. I like all those suggestions. And then just, uh, I guess, before we wrap up, any general advice that you'd give to our listeners as they're maybe navigating their career right out of consulting or maybe they've been in that kind of first job right out of consulting, any general advice you have? Yeah, I would say, um, I think I, when I was within consulting, I didn't really think about the culture of a company as being so important. And that's because within a consulting firm, there's not necessarily even the ability to have something you're building towards. Like at Shopify Logistics, we're building towards this idea of empowering e-commerce merchants. It's It would in some ways be inauthentic to say like a consulting firm had that kind of mission or vision. So I would just say as you are looking at companies for a consulting exit or you're within a company right now value, and you're looking at your next opportunity, I would challenge as you're going through your interview process, ask all your interviewers what the mission of their company is and make sure everyone says the same thing. Interesting. I love that suggestion. I think that's so good. And I think you're right too about in a consulting firm, it's almost like preset or predetermined in its, uh, I like the parallel, uh, the contrast rather that you drew. Excellent. So Justin, thanks so much for joining us. I guess if listeners wanted to learn more about Shopify logistics or yourself, is there any kind of website or information that you'd like to share? And we'll obviously drop it in the description below, but anything you'd like to share to promote? Yeah, so our company is still largely at deliver.com. If you'd go like to take a look at our offerings overall and learn more about the company. And if you'd like to reach out to me, I'm just on LinkedIn, Justin Rosendi, my name. Excellent. Very good. And thanks so much for joining us this week. And for those of our listeners listening for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon so you can be notified of future podcasts, episodes that come out every single week. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, it's going to be eca-partners.com. For everybody else, we look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks so much. 